There's something iridescent about bluebirds in a group and doubly iridescent in a snowstorm like that. I don't know how I can describe it any better than that. It's an iridescent blue, and with so many bluebirds grouped together, it was very dramatic. Hello and welcome to Notes from the Bee Yard. You're listening to Episode 29, The Bluebirds Are Back. What makes a memory indelible? Today's episode is about bluebirds. They're a special sight along Colorado's Front Range, especially on snowy days in early spring. And it's also about looking back at the extraordinary memories that can make a life feel well-lived. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode 29, The Bluebirds Are Back, written by Tom Theobald in 1991 and read by Tom in 2021. Boulder County, or for that matter, any of the counties which front the mountains from southern Colorado to the Wyoming border, provides a corridor for migrating birds at this time of year. Although I always have a pair of binoculars tucked under the seat of the truck as I travel between bee yards, I could hardly be called a serious birder. Semi-serious, maybe. I'll often stop for a moment or two to check out something unusual, or even spend some time just looking around. But birds are really more a part of the background texture of my life. Like the classical music that drifts from my pasture blaster, birds are my outdoor equivalent of a special painting hanging on an office wall. I do pay enough attention to the birds to have my favorites, but then most of the birds I see are favorites for one reason or another. Bluebirds had the list of the favorites, though. On the 15th of March, After a long day in the honeyhouse melting down old comb, I swung by my friend John's on the way home for a cup of coffee and some conversation. As we stepped from his back door on the way to the shop and a warm stove, I caught a flash of blue on a fence post 30 yards away, then a second and a third. Through the binoculars, I counted about a dozen bluebirds, the first of the season. Late the following afternoon, Barbara and I wandered the back roads out toward the foothills and up Left Hand Canyon, hoping to see more, but nary a one could we find. The small flock I had seen the day before had been the pioneers advanced men for the tens of thousands which will pass north along the foothills in the next few weeks. It isn't unusual to see bluebirds around Niwot in March, but it usually takes a heavy spring snow to produce them. The snow pushes them away from their normal migration route along the foothills, out onto the plains where the conditions are not quite so severe. For a few days, there may be a blue jewel on every fence post, 
but as soon as the snow melts, they are gone again. Nearly all of the bluebirds we see in March are of the mountain variety, although I have heard reports of eastern bluebirds in Weldeconi to the east of us. While the mountain bluebird population is fairly secure, the eastern and western varieties have had a rough time of it in the last 50 years. In some cases, the population has declined as much as 90% over their range. There are a number of reasons for this. Loss of habitat has no doubt played a role, as has the widespread use of pesticides. A major factor in these declines has also been the spread of two introduced species, starlings and house sparrows. Starlings are prolific early cavity nesters. Wherever they are common, they occupy any available nest holes before the bluebirds arrive from the south. House sparrows are even worse. Not only will they take any available nest sites, but will sometimes kill young bluebirds and even adults to take over a nest hole. I've never seen bluebirds nest around Niwot, and it isn't likely that they ever did in any numbers. Early on, there simply was no mature timber along the streams flowing from the foothills. The tallest thing on the prairie was the seed stalks of the yucca. With the establishment of agriculture, cottonwood and other trees began to spread downstream and along irrigation ditches. But by the time they reached a size where they could provide nest holes, the starlings and house sparrows began arriving from the east. Still, the prairie corridor along the Front Range offers abundant potential habitat for mountain bluebirds up against the foothills and eastern bluebirds farther out. I recall coming out over the top of the flat tops many years ago in a late October blizzard. In the distance, through a driving snow, a haze of blue appeared against a the snowfield, then faded out of sight. Like sheet lightning in a fog, the ghostly blue cloud dogged my path, now on, then off, until finally the storm slackened momentarily, and I could see this specter clearly. It was a flock of two or three hundred mountain bluebirds, bunching ahead of the storm, ready to quit the country for warmer climes. I saw this same sight many Octobers after that, but will always remember that first time. It was one of those heart-stopping natural spectacles, on a par with the first pair of bald eagles I saw in Boulder County. It was a time when America the Beautiful should have been playing in the background. For now, at least, those of us on the plains along the Front Range will have to content ourselves with the brief March pleasure of the migrating bluebirds. But I think we need not settle for this temporary passing. Mm-hmm. 
So, Tom, you want to tell us about the bluebirds in the snowstorm? Oh, it was dramatic. I don't know if you know anything about the flat tops, but it was almost to Deep Lake, which is way up on the top. And we were coming out after hunting season, and it was a October blizzard. And I looked over to my left, and I, I saw this shimmer of blue, barely visible in the snow, the storm. And obviously it caught my attention, and I kept watching. Finally, the snow diminished enough that I could see that that shimmer of blue was two or 300 bluebirds. Mm. For whatever reason, they group up on the flat tops in October. They group together. I don't know what that means in the bluebird world, but you see them in numbers that you never see at other times of the year. And that flock of two or 300 bluebirds in that snowstorm was just a dramatic spectacle, never to be forgotten. And it hasn't been. There's something about the blue. It just catches your eye. Yep. And it almost feels, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit enchanting. It feels special. For a romantic, it's perfect. It's like music. It's like an orchestra. It's dramatic and it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So early in this piece, you talk about that you are interested in birds, you don't really consider yourself a birder, but bluebirds would be at the head of the list of favorites. Can you tell us why? I think it's because of their color and their general rarity down here on the plains. They may migrate through and we may not see any down here on the plains, but if we have a snowstorm in March, it will push them down out of the foothills onto the plains. And they might be down here for four or five days, but as soon as the snow melts, they go back up into the foothills. Most of their summer is spent in the foothills, in the mountains, for the first, oh, 30 miles of the mountains. And that's their migration route. I'm not sure what the reason is, but those early March snowstorms will push them down onto the plains where we get an opportunity to see them. There are many descriptions in your writing of different species, a lot about the honeybees, and then this one is more about birds. And I'm interested to hear from you what, if anything, you've learned about the condition of being a human person from observing the animals around you? Boy, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I, I, maybe I haven't figured out how to be a human person yet. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there are so many, I, you know, it's like we look at the bees and there's so much that's admirable and beautiful about them. And, and now you're talking about the, the birds and having favorite species of birds. I'm kind of curious what you are connecting with in the birds. It's just part of the outdoor 
environment that I'm drawn to, that I adore, that I want to understand as best I can. The bees make it easy for us. They invite us into their society. They go on about their business as we open parts of the hive, take frames out. They go about their business unperturbed by our presence. And we, as a consequence, can closely observe the most intimate behavior in that complex society of honeybees. They draw us in. If we have any curiosity at all, they draw us in. They transfix us. In fact, there are many times when I was a commercial beekeeper that I would have liked to have just pulled up a hive body and sat and observed. But as a commercial beekeeper, I didn't have the luxury of that kind of time. I had to work. I had to keep going. I was busy. So I was never a hobbyist. I never had the luxury of sitting there for a half hour or an hour observing what was going on. I had to do it in smaller pieces. Hmm. Anything else stand out in this story? These are favorite memories. Certainly the, the memory of the bluebirds in the flat tops is one of those that has been embedded in my memory and will remain forever. I had a good life. I wasn't financially too successful, although I did okay. But I had a wonderful life. I was very fortunate. I saw things that other people rarely or never saw. I had a good life. Hmm. Tom, I couldn't help but notice when you were referring to your memories and your life, you said, I had a good life as if it was in the past. Do you want to talk about that? Much of it is in the past. It's in my memory, but I'm fortunate to have memories. I recognize that I'm coming to a, the end of a very enjoyable, very rewarding life. I couldn't begin to do many of the things that I did when I was in my prime. It's been a wonderful life, and I've been blessed with uh, really good friends during the course of that life. That's part of the beauty of what my life brought to me, mm. is the friends. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Bee Yard. If you're a friend of Tom's, thank you so much for trusting us to work on this project. It's a joy to work on and bring these stories about friendship to you. We're taking a break from our weekly production schedule so that I can do some traveling, and we'll be back again on Friday, April 15th. So join us then to hear episode 30, The Birds and the Bees. In the meantime, hop on over to notesfromthebeeyard.buzz, subscribe to our email list, and check out our Facebook group. We'll see you next time.